Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, so Thanksgiving does have something to do with what I'm going to talk about because that's a marker. We have Thanksgiving, right? It's a day. But about two weeks ago, during our staff meeting, I casually suggested that Christmas decor and thinking about our favorite Christmas songs was a bit premature. It's okay. I got labeled as a Grinch, but whatever, I can take it. Well, I guess a couple mischievous elves decided to try to help me get out of my Grinchness, and they broke in, I mean, snuck into my office and decorated it. I walked in, and it was like Christmas had thrown up in there. But I showed them, because in five minutes, all that stuff was taken out and redistributed to its proper place with them. Now, even though my reaction was very civil, it came with a warning. Suddenly, one of these elves confessed with evidence. (laughs) Here's my warning. Note to all premature Christmas decorators, calm down. Mary hasn't even told Joseph she's pregnant yet. (laughs) Look, I have no problem with Christmas, uh, but really, we should at least wait until the first week of Advent, which is next Sunday. So we need to tell CVS and Macy's and Walmart and all those guys not to do that before Halloween. Come on. So Advent began, uh, <laughs> Advent began as a church tradition about 500 years after Jesus was born, and it was in, to tell people how Jesus came to the earth, and um, it was helping them understand the story. Advent just means coming, and for the four Sundays before Christmas, we prepare for Jesus' coming's birth through the biblical narratives of prophets and angels and Mary and Joseph and shepherds. Now, it's super important that we do this, especially for our kids, because we need to know why and how Jesus first came to us. And so it makes it very easy for us to focus on that part of, or that meaning of Advent, because we all love the traditional Christmas stuff. But Advent is also layered with another theme. It's the theme of Jesus' second coming, which is not so easy to grasp or think about or uh, because it's sort of unknown. To be honest, it's a tension we don't really like to think about. After all, when Jesus returns or, or Howard returns or the date, the time, the manner, all of that stuff actually doesn't change what's happening to us today. Or does it? What if I told you that Jesus' second coming is the only way to understand your life today? In today's message, entitled Victory Shouts, I'm going to give you the key to living your best life now. Would you please stand with me as I read from 1 Corinthians in chapter 15, verse 50 through 58. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, 
but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, for when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed, for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always working enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Lord, we come to you this morning in a season where so much pressure is put on your first coming and so much is wrapped up in the glitter and the um, pomp and circumstance of Christmas. Christmas is old. And yet, uh, we live in the in-between uh, a time when we're looking towards the future of your glorious return. Holy Spirit, now, Come help us understand your word. Come help us uh, have it go from our ears into our brains and into our heart that it does the work of transformation. You do the work of transformation on us. Let my words become less so that your glory becomes more. God, let us see you before us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church in a response to a letter that they had written him. It seems like he was answering some of their questions. They were confused because they were experiencing this great movement of the Holy Spirit. People were being healed, miracles were happening, they were praying in tongues, uh, people were prophesying, and many were coming to faith. There was lots and lots of spiritual activity and energy going on in the church. But many of them were still struggling in their flesh with sexual immorality, with idolatry, with greed, with pride. They were suing one another and fighting each other. They were really unruly in their worship and their fellowship. How could this be if Christ's death and resurrection gave them victory? So some of the Corinthians uh, rejected the bodily resurrection. They thought that they had actually arrived already. Because they were seeing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because they were seeing the gifts being used, they thought, hey, this is as good as it's going to get. This is the best we have. Or they thought we couldn't possibly be resurrected or that our bodies could be resurrected because we're living in a body that feels so sinful. We see that sin in everyone. But Paul vehemently disagreed with them. He reminded them of the gospel again. Jesus' death was for the forgiveness of sins, and he physically was resurrected. This is the gospel we also believe. Our sins can't keep us from Jesus. It can't, they can't keep us from experiencing his grace and his love and his forgiveness. And our earthly bodies aren't the final victory. 
God's ultimately, ultimate victory over his last enemy, death, depends on the resurrection of the dead. Death will be defeated when we, like Christ, will rise again. This passage is not about when Jesus returns, it's about why Jesus is returning, because it's God's final victory shout. In Isaiah 25, 8, it says, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. And then in Hosea 13, it says, I will deliver this people from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Where, O death, are your plagues? Where, O grave, is your destruction? At the trumpet sound, when Jesus returns, God will bring about such a dramatic transformation in our present bodies, changing them from the perishable to the imperishable, from the dying and decaying to the immortal, to the eternal place of being in that body. It will happen in a flash like, like that, and some of us will be still living. The world will hear this trumpet blast, and we, as believers, will join the Lord. Imagine, we will join the Lord in his triumphant, victorious uh, entry into the world, and that battle will be just a moment in time. We, as though in Christ, will receive a new set of clothes. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory." This is God's victory shout for those who follow Jesus will inherit a new heaven and a new earth when Jesus returns. The victory is not about us just escaping our present day sin or present day death, but it's about the cosmos finding a complete renewal, a complete transformation from its death and decay and destruction, oppression and evil, a complete renewal of all creation. Now, that sounds amazing, doesn't it? It sounds like a great, great future where our bodies won't decay and feel the aches and pains of sickness and disease. If you've, if you've actually gone out and raked your lawn any time this month, you know what it feels like to get one year older um, with the aches and the pains, right? We're constantly experiencing that. It's a great future. But what about today? It seems like unless we make our own financial success, create our own happiness, and have lots of fun, we really aren't living our best lives now. But this is the tension the Corinthian church was facing. It's the tension we're actually facing too. We pray for healing, for miracles, a great movement of God in our church and in our community, but we also see the fractured relationships around us. We see the broken political and economic systems. We see marriages on the rocks. We see war. We see fighting. We see sexual immorality and greed and pride. And not just in others, in ourselves too. We seem to be striving in vain constantly to push back against homelessness, poverty, war, drug abuse, disease. And it seems like we make very little change. So it seems to be better just to get 
on with what we're doing today and stay out of God's business. So how are we supposed to, how on earth are we supposed to be find the key to living out our best lives now? Well, Paul gives us a clue. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always working enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. The NIV says it slightly different. It says, always give yourself, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. This past weekend, um, the Season of Giving team um, a couple of weeks ago really thought through what did our community need right now? And the answer was food because our food prices have been going up like crazy. But they also wanted to team it with something else. And so we took aim at both the physical and the spiritual need by adding a prayer room. So as people came through, uh, we were noticing something felt really different. Now I could say that uh, your generosity made it feel different. I could say that um, our organizational skills made it feel really different. I could say that our helpful, cheerful volunteers made it feel different, and all of those things would be true. But as one person said, I can't believe you did this for us. There's something different in the way things were happening. The truth was that we were simply following God's prompting and we prayed. We prayed that his love would be so stinking obvious that his presence would permeate that entire event and God could not be missed. And then we just watched. As people came through, people got excited to write down their gratitude on flags. People got excited to be able to pray for the world. They stood in front of the body that's down there and took out Band-Aids and wrote their names or other people's names and put it on the parts that we need to pray for for their healing. They were excited to write their name and add it to the ring in God's family. And they were really excited to hear that we were going to pray for those names that didn't know Jesus that they wrote and hung on the tree. Near the end of the morning, though, um, I noticed there was a woman who was kneeling in front of the forgiveness station. Now, the forgiveness station has a banner in the back of it, and it has the scripture about God's forgiveness and what he came to do. And it, it leads you through a prayer that if you have sin, that you want to confess that Jesus is faithful and will forgive you. And so uh, this woman was reading this, and I noticed um, She's standing there, and there's a bowl right in front of, on the table, and the idea is when you ask for forgiveness, you pick up one of these fizzy tablets, and you drop it into water, and it's a symbol of how God just takes your sin away. And so she's kneeling there, and I saw tears coming down her, her face, and I thought, oh, uh, you know, she must be asking for forgiveness. So I sort of hovered a little bit around her, and, um, and then she looked at me, and she said, you know, I've gone through a lot. Uh, I escaped an abusive relationship. I did a lot of work getting healthy enough to get my child back. Uh, I know God has forgiven me. I'm so grateful. But I just realized that I'm not completely fully healed because I never forgave my abuser. And so she picked up a fizzy tablet and dropped it in the water and this big, huge smile came over her face. 
See, in the physical planning, in the organizing of this event, we couldn't make that happen. Only God made that happen. She came in for a turkey, and she left with a victory shout. My dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, always working enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. The key to living our best lives now, that tension between Jesus' first coming and looking towards his second coming, is joining God in his victory shouts. Our best lives now can only come from our confidence in what God has promised. Paul actually is concluding his letter that, in what we just read today, and it's and it sort of, there's a bookend, because he begins his letter by calling attention to what the work that they have been called to. It says, I always thank my God for you because his grace given you in Christ Jesus, for in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all kinds of knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, do not, you do not lack any spiritual gifts as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are Jesus-shaped, spirit-empowered people who have been called to live in the confidence that Jesus will turn with a final shout of victory. And that our present circumstances, the way that we're living right now, will be completely transformed, both physically and spiritually, and we will be new creations. Our key to living our best lives now is to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The work that he's called to us, yes, both physically and spiritually, and our confidence doesn't come from seeing progress pushing the needle that much farther ahead by seeing restoration or seeing great change. That's not our confidence, but it's in knowing that God still has a final victory shout at his return. We get to join him, and it's not in vain. Think about it. As we're living into the mission and purposes of God, of rescuing people, restoring people, redeeming the pain and hurt of people. As we do that work in our community, these are just mere glimpses of our future. So we're called to be steadfast and immovable now. So how do we do this? Well, it comes with practice. We practice. We practice praying for healing, and we practice it regularly. Do we stop praying because we haven't seen healing in somebody? No. We become steadfast, immovable, because we know people still need healing. People need miracles. We need miracles. We need to agree with God that he wants the same in heaven on earth as it is in heaven. This is our agreement with him. And even if we don't see it yet, and we may never see it. We know that one day our prayers, the prayers that we're praying, will become the victory shouts when the entire cosmos is healed. So we practice praying. We practice praying for healing. 
We also practice walking alongside people in, in their need. Who around you is in need? What are the needs in our community that we see that need to be addressed? When we agree that God has actually equipped us with spiritual gifts, with the power and authority to work in those areas, to join him in what he's doing when we see that need, again, they're the tiniest glimpses of the change, but it becomes part of God's victory shout in the end. And so we practice our spiritual gifts. We pray for an outpouring of our gifts from the Holy Spirit. So maybe God has actually placed a person on your heart this morning. When you were walking in, maybe you walked by somebody and you got this immediate feeling or thought or word that said, hey, that person just needs encouragement. And you kept walking because that might be embarrassing. Who cares? Guess what? That's part of a victory shout. Go and share it with that person. Maybe you've been healed uh, for something in the past and you feel like, you know what? I actually believe that I was healed. I know I was healed. So maybe I should join with others and pray for healing for others. This morning, we, we did an exercise this morning. I'll tell you a little bit about later. But um, we were praying and uh, there were some healings that happened. So God is at work. Maybe you love to worship and you want to join this team up here. Maybe you love to teach and you want to join a team that teaches children and teens or adults. Maybe you can hear God for others and, and you should be sharing that. Maybe you sh share the gospel really easily. How are you helping others? Are you bringing others around to help do that? Our best lives now are only a glimpse of God's final victory. Shout, even if we don't make a dent, even if we don't see progress, even if we don't make major changes, God's work in our community is not laboring in vain. Get this picture between the first advent and the second advent. At the first advent, Jesus came as a babe in weakness. At the second advent, Jesus will return as sovereign king. At the first advent, very few people knew he arrived. At the second, the whole earth will know he's arrived. At the first, a star marked at his entrance. And at the final one, the heavens will roll up like a scroll. At the first, only magi brought gifts. But guess what? At his return, Jesus will return with gifts and reward his people. And in the beginning, there was no room for him in the inn. But it is at his return, the whole earth will not be able to contain his glory. Think about that. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, everyone will see him. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. The whole creation will be made new. It will be transformed. Our bodies will be transformed. The cosmos will be transformed. It will be a new creation, new heavens and new earth. <laughs> so I'm going to challenge you today with some next steps. A lot in here. But don't leave just being woohoo, because this matters for your life today. I want you to listen to a couple of these options and ask God which is one for you. And if you're online, all you have to do is put the number on the chat, and your that team online team will pray for you too. But there's four different things, so just listen and pick one. First one is shout victory with Jesus. 
You might be sitting here and have been thinking, you know what, I've known Jesus my whole life, but I've never known him. I've never given him my entire life. I've actually never surrendered and said, I am sinful and I need a Lord, I need a savior. Maybe that's you this morning. Confess this this morning. Ask him. Ask him to indwell you with the Holy Spirit. Ask him to save you. This is your salvation. This is the eternity. Do that now. So maybe your number one is shout victory with Jesus. Number two is shout victory with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're thinking, I'm not sure I have a spiritual gift. I'm not sure what it is. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to to indwell this this community, right? To work through this community, to work through each one of us, to show us why we matter here and what we're doing here. Guess what? The church is not just a few of us. It's all of us. We all have to be part of it. So number one, shout victory with Jesus. Confess and come to him. Number two, shout victory with the Holy Spirit. Ask God to show you how to use your spiritual gift, to engage in it, Number three, shout victory with our community. Find ways to engage in the work we're doing as a community. We are still collecting food. There's a new food list, a shopping list that will be out as you leave. Um, There's another day that we'll be doing the food distribution and the prayer room. That's December 16th. Sign up for that. It's a great way. But we are still looking for people who want to be coaches in our care center, want to work in missions and think about what it means to go out into the world, uh, people to, with furniture connection to deliver uh, furniture and meet the needs there. In our own ministries, and our own teams, we have lots of places for you to engage. So number three, maybe that's your next step. Shout victory with our community. See what's happening and join God in there. And number four, shout victory to God. Engage in the multitude of ways we can be praying for each other. This morning, the elders had a prayer uh, time during the first service. Uh, We have a prayer room downstairs. We are constantly emphasizing places to pray with each other. Maybe number four is your thing that's standing out. Maybe if you've been sick and you have been healed, you're being called to pray for others. Maybe you know what it feels like to be stuck or to be struggling with sin, and you should be praying for another person. So uh, we're going to practice this this morning at the end of the service, um, just to let you know. But maybe four is your thing. Shout victory to God. So this morning, I'm going to ask if you are sick or in need of prayer, uh, you you just feel tired or broken, you need healing, I'm going to ask you to remain seated at the end of the song. And those of you who have felt called that maybe God is actually calling me to pray for other people, I want you to come up front And then when the song is done, I'm going to give uh, you a little instruction as people leave. But this morning, we did it in the first service, and there were a couple people that really felt like God was moving for them, and God did move. And there was a healing this morning. I know I can testify to that, that somebody had a pain, and there was a deep need, and uh, some people prayed for them, and they were healed. So God is doing amazing things in our church and around us and through us. We just need to join him in his victory shout. So let's finish today in worshiping our Lord, the one in whom we are confident to bring about all that he has promised. Amen and amen.